This is Julie D. from NordoniaHills.News. The Cleveland Sports Show starts now. Hello everyone, happy Saturday. Welcome to another edition of the Cleveland Sports Show today with me, Darius. I'm sorry I wasn't here last week. I was actually on a vacation in Alaska. It's a great state. Um, If you haven't been there or if you haven't seen it in a while, I suggest you check it out, especially if you're a huge nature lover. But we're not here to talk about Alaska today on the Cleveland Sports Show. We're here to talk about some of the biggest topics we've had in sports over these last few weeks. And while I was gone on my vacation, a lot, and I mean a lot, has happened. But let's get you guys started off with the sports fact of the week. And this is a very fitting sports fact given the fact um, get that uh, the MLB All-Star Game will be here in Cleveland in the next few days. So our sports fact today is from 1918. And on July 6th of this date, or of this year, excuse me, the Cincinnati Reds, Ohio's own, survive a nine-run Philadelphia Phillies rally in the ninth inning to win 10-9 at Redland Field in Cincinnati. Through the first eight innings, Reds pitcher Peter Schneider allows no runs, just one hit and seven walks. He walks the first six Phillies batters into the ninth to hike his base on balls total to 13. Reliever Mike Reagan then gives up a walk and a hit before being replaced by Fred Tony, who surrenders two more hits but manages to escape with a bizarre victory. And we have a lot of bizarre stats for you and free agent talks coming up in the Cleveland Sports Show. And what a fitting fact, like I said, we have a lot to talk about with the Indians today and what they're doing to prepare for the All-Star Game at Progressive Field. But first I want to get into soccer. Let's give you an update on MLS real quick. For the standings themselves, Philadelphia is in first place with a four-point cushion over the second-place D.C. United. Philadelphia are 10-5-5 on the season for a combined 35 points. As I mentioned already, D.C. United in second place, right behind them, only four points behind, more specifically, against Philadelphia. Eight wins, seven draws, and five losses for D.C. United. Montreal Impact are then in third place with nine wins, three draws, and eight losses for a combined 30 points. And the defending champions, Atlanta United, have had a terrible title um, defense run. The defending champions are fourth place in the Eastern Conference. They have nine wins and two draws, but they have a staggering seven losses. That's 21 uh, excuse me, 21 points at the most that Atlanta United could have had in the bag. However, they are in fourth place still with 29 points, and on their tail with 29 points as well is NYCFC with seven wins, eight draws, and only one loss. And in the Western Conference, LAFC was the first team in the MLS this year to reach the 40-point mark. They have 40 points exactly, 12 wins, 4 draws, and only 2 losses. LA Galaxy also remain in 2nd place 
In 19 matches played, they have 11 wins, 1 draw, and 7 losses for a combined 34 points. And then in 3rd place, it's FC Dallas with 8 wins, 5 draws, and 7 losses for 29 total points. And of course, the Seattle Sounders, 29 points in 5th, or excuse me, in 4th place, 8 wins, 5 draws, and 5 losses. The top scorers updated in the MLS, Carlos Vela still holds that position, adding another goal um, to his stat sheet, now with 17 goals on the season. Zlatan Ibrahimovic remains in second place with 13 goals, Wayne Rooney of DC United with 10 goals, Josef Martinez of Atlanta also remains in the standings with 10 goals. And we have a new player on the stat sheet. Last time it was Nani. This time, in fifth place, it's Diego Rossi of LAFC, who has nine goals. And more specific updates on Ohio's MLS teams. First off, the Columbus Crew. The last few games um, for the Crew included a 1-0 loss on Sunday, June 23rd to Sporting Kansas City, 1-0. Columbus also played a um, part of the game down only with 10 men due to a red card. As I said, Sporting Kansas City defeated Columbus 1-0. And then last Saturday, June 29th, the Columbus crew hosted Orlando City and lost by a final score of 2 to nothing, Columbus then headed out to Salt Lake City in Utah to take on Real Salt Lake and lost that game 1 to nothing. Ever since that win against the Pittsburgh River Hounds in the U.S. Open Cup fourth round, the Columbus crew have lost all their four games previous, um, or excuse me, after that game. Tonight, the Columbus crew will host the Seattle Sounders at 7.30 at Mapfrey Stadium, looking to get a win in almost two weeks. The crew then will head to Orlando to take on Orlando City next Saturday. Then we'll head to Chicago to take on the Chicago Fire before coming back home to face off against the Montreal Impact. In terms of their standings, The crew are now in 11th place with only 17 points, 5 wins, 2 draws, and 12 losses. And for FC Cincinnati, it gets even worse. 3 wins, 2 draws, and 13 losses for only 11 points. In terms of points, Columbus and FC Cincinnati are the two worst teams in the MLS. So... Ohio soccer fans, I'm sorry, but our two teams are statistically the worst two teams in the MLS. And I already mentioned Columbus, and now I have to do the unfortunate job of bringing the terrible news concerning FC Cincinnati. And Minnesota United, uh, last Saturday, excuse me, absolutely destroyed FC Cincinnati. A 7-1 scoreline. Um, final scoreline favoring Minnesota United. But it gets worse. Before that matchup, the previous Saturday, June 22nd, the LA Galaxy came to Cincinnati and destroyed FC Cincinnati by a final score of 2 nothing. 
and FC Cincinnati, those were the only two games that they played after their loss to St. Louis FC in the U.S. Open Cup round of 16. The upcoming schedule for FC Cincinnati includes tonight at 7.30, where they, where they host excuse me, the Houston Dynamo. Then they'll head to Chicago to face off the fire before coming back home to take on D.C. United and New England. And then on July 27th, they'll be north of the border to face Toronto FC. And more soccer news today, ladies and gentlemen. As we speak, the second half of England and Sweden will have already kicked off. I was able to watch the first half of that game in the FIFA Women's World Cup. The match for third place, either England or Sweden, will be taking home the bronze medals in France today. The updated score, as we know so far, is England 1, Sweden 2. Unfortunately, I do not have access to the game right now, but we will um, keep you updated in our upcoming episodes on what actually transpired throughout these last few weeks. But what we do here's what we do know. Tomorrow, the World Cup final, women's World Cup final between the United States and the Netherlands will be tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. You can catch the game on Fox. Now, let's see how these two teams made it to the finals. We'll start in the round of 16, where the U.S. defeated Spain 2-1 thanks to two penalty kicks from Megan Rapino. The United States then went on to knock off the host nation France on Friday, the 28th of June, 2-1. Rapino again scored in that match. Additionally, in the semi-final, the United States would face England. England only playing with 10 players on the field at one point in the match. And with a 31st-minute goal from Alex Morgan, the U.S. never looked back, and from 31 minutes to that 90-minute mark, the U.S. were able to hold on to a 2-1 lead against England. Now, more specifically for the Netherlands, it's been a lot more surprising. The Netherlands won their group in this year's FIFA Women's World Cup. Then, in the round of 16, they were able to defeat finalist Japan. Now, Japan did, as I said, make the final fi or four years ago in 2015, and have had a very disappointing showing here in France, and the Netherlands proved for that, with a 2-1 to victory over the Japanese. Then, in the quarterfinals, really two surprising teams of the tournament, Italy and the Netherlands, faced off. The Dutch were able to defeat the Italians 2 to nothing last Saturday. Then in the semifinals, with an overtime strike, the Netherlands were able to defeat Sweden 1 to nothing to reach their first final in World Cup history. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I have some bad news. I've been thinking about this for a while, and here is my overall opinion. I think we should just hand the World Cup trophy to the United States right now. Just how dominant they have looked. In my analysis, the Netherlands has absolutely no chance to make this a, game, a competitive game. The United States, I believe, will tear the Netherlands' defense apart. 
in my estimation, this game is over before it's even started. Now, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully that's not the case. Let's hope that it's a competitive game. But I just don't think that this Netherlands team can stop how dominant the U.S. have been. Just look at the U.S.'s first game. Now, I know it was against Thailand. Thailand didn't play their best. You know, they barely showed any effort. But if you look at that game, the U.S. destroyed them 13 to nothing, ladies and gentlemen. 13 to nothing. And the Netherlands, as great as their defense has been, this is the United States offense. This isn't England. This isn't Sweden. This isn't Germany. It's not France. This is the United States. They have their Gore's goal to goals conceded ratio is massive. The United States will win this game tomorrow and will repeat as Women's World Cup champions. Now, more specifically on the top goal scorers for the tournament, Alex Morgan of the United States has six goals. Tied with her is Ellen White of England, who might be able to overcome that over over um or excuse me, who might be able to snatch the first place if she's able to score in today's match against Sweden. And then Megan Rapino of the United States also with five goals, which puts her in a very tight second place. And that's all we have today for soccer news in the Cleveland Sports Show. Let's get on to NBA free agency, some basketball talk. And ladies and gentlemen, there's been so much that's happened ever since I was in Alaska. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan, all signing with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, how do I like this move? Particularly for me, all of these free agents should have, been, should have done what Kawhi Leonard did. And that's based off of one word, patience. If Kyrie Irving, if Kevin Durant were patient... Could they have snatched a position with the Knicks? Now, I cannot believe the New York Knicks did not offer Kevin Durant the max um, salary that he could have earned because of injury concerns. Are you kidding me? This is Kevin Durant we're talking about. Now, the Brooklyn Nets did come off a fantastic year the last year. They took Philadelphia to five games and even took that first game in Philadelphia now, the Nets do not have D'Angelo Russell anymore, as he is now a member of the Golden State Warriors. And we do know that Kevin Durant will most likely not be playing. We do know that Kevin Durant will most likely not be playing this upcoming season. Um, so we will get a glimpse of Kevin Durant in a Nets, in a Nets uniform in the 2020-2021 NBA season. Which means that the Nets are relying on their other all-star. Kyrie Irving, who, even though the Celtics, ladies and gentlemen, had a terrible season last year, they were supposed to be the best team in the East, get to the finals, maybe even win the finals, and they get bounced out in the conference semifinals in five games to the Milwaukee Bucks. And although it was a horrendous season, and Kyrie Irving could have been a better leader, he was a fantastic player last season. In 67 games, he put up almost 33 minutes a game, averaged about 24 points, shot almost 49% from the field, 40% from three-point range. He averaged two more assists 
um, last year than he did in his first season in Boston, and also played well defensively, averaged about two steals a game. Kyrie had a great season last year, and we all knew that he probably was not going to stay in Boston. And this summer was his first uh, was the first time in his career that he got to make a decision based on where he wanted to go. Now, was this the best choice? We'll see. The Knicks did get better as well. The Knicks don't really have a lot of scrubs on their team anymore. Now they have players like Alfred Payton, Wayne Ellington, and of course their third, uh, the third pick in the draft, R.J. Barrett. The Knicks will be formidable this year. Now, should Kyrie Irving have joined the Knicks instead of the Nets? I really don't know at this point. But now that Kevin Durant is a member of the Brooklyn Nets, it seems like they will now be the team to beat in the East for the next few years to come. And more specifically, on Kevin Durant, last season with the Warriors in 78 games of the 82, averaged about 35 minutes, 26 points per game, shot 52% from the field, his three-point percentage was not as great as it's been in the past. Um, the lowest it's been in five years, in over five years for Kevin Durant. Only 35% from three-point range. But he did average about six rebounds, six assists, and one block per game. Ladies and gentlemen, here's why I'm a little concerned with this Nets move. Brooklyn is not the market that New York is. This is New York City we're talking about. This is the mecca of basketball. This is the cultural epicenter of the universe, as Max Kellerman puts it. Could you imagine Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving playing in New York Knicks uniforms at Madison Square Garden? Forget the whole Zion drama, even if Zion was not on the Knicks, which of course he is not. Could you imagine those two players... With this current Knicks squad, I'm not su I wouldn't be as concerned as I was when at first Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving um, made um, notes that they may have wanted to play for the Knicks. You know, now there's Alfred Payton. Now there's Wayne Ellington. Now there's, of course, I forgot to mention Julius Randle for the Knicks. Plus their young um, team, the other young players on their team, like Alonzo Trier and Frank Nidlikina. Those guys can all play. And of course, you know, without them, they're not a playoff team. Um, with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they'd still be the two main players associated with the Knicks. Of course, you also have guys like Dennis Smith Jr. and DeAndre Jordan, who's good friends with Kevin Durant, would create that chemistry on the Knicks. And this would be a very, very formidable team in the Eastern Conference. More specifically on DeAndre Jordan. With the Knicks, he only played 19 games due to the fact that he was traded rather late in the season. He did play about 26 minutes per game, um, averaged about 11 points, 63% um, from the field. Did not attempt any threes, of course, because he's a center. But he did average almost 11 rebounds a game, which is definitely what this Brooklyn team will need from DeAndre Jordan. And of course, 
his excellent defense in the paint as well. Now here's why I would see Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving choosing the Brooklyn Nets over the New York Knicks. It's the depth and more a little more experienced depth that the Nets have. Also the fact that the Nets were able to prove themselves, especially last season in the playoffs, making it rather difficult for Philadelphia to defeat them. Let's get started with Karis LeVert, who was a huge um, factor for the Nets this past season. It was his career high in points in the three years he's been in the NBA. Averaged about 14 points per game, shot 43% from the field, 31% from three-point range, averaged about four rebounds and four assists per game. Another key contributor, Spencer Dinwiddie. 68 games, Dinwiddie put up about 28 minutes, um, 17 points per game, 44% from the field, and shot about 34% um, percent from three-point range. And then Dinwiddie also averaged about five assists as well last season. So with even without D'Angelo Russell, this Nets team is still very, very um, formidable. And now you add players like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and the defensive presence and just overall dominance of DeAndre Jordan. Now, of course, like I said, we're probably not going to see KD this season, which is unfortunate, but we can see what this Nets team is going to have to offer Kevin Durant and what they might be able to, what Kevin Durant could possibly be looking forward to in the years to come when he is with Brooklyn. Another big free agency story. Now, of course, this Boston Celtics lost their all-star guard in Kyrie Irving going to Brooklyn. But that, that did not stop Danny Ainge from making a deal with the Charlotte Hornets. Kemba Walker will sign a four-year, $141 million contract with the Boston Celtics, which means that Terry Rozier will be going to the Charlotte Hornets. Now, this year, Kemba Walker had a phenomenal season. It was the first year of his career in which Walker played all 82 games of the regular season. He averaged about 35 minutes a game, put up t almost 26 points per game, shot 44% from the field, the best in his career, 36% from three-point range, averaged about four rebounds, six assists, and a steal a game. Kemba Walker, no doubt, had a sensational season, especially during the, in the start um, of this past NBA season. He was terrific, and now seeing him um, going to Boston, this is a great move for him. Being now with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, of course Marcus Smart is still there, and now it is planned that Ennis Cantor will sign um, a two-year deal with the Boston Celtics as well. Now, the Celtics did lose Al Horford, and he's going to Philadelphia. We're going to talk about Philadelphia in a couple minutes here, but first I want to get what Kemba's take was on going to the Celtics and how he now sees himself wearing the green and white 
of the Celtics? Oh, man. When you think of the Celtics, you think of championships. Sure. You think of winning. Um, and that's what I'm about. I'm about, you know, competing for championships and winning. You know, that's something that I haven't been able to do throughout the, you know, the early years of my career. Um, you know, I haven't been a consistent winner in this league. And, you know, I just felt like Boston was the best fit for me to, you know, try and accomplish those kind of goals. And Kemba Walker will definitely be able to accomplish those kinds of goals. Especially, like I said, Jason Tatum's still in Boston. Jalen Brown is still in Boston. Gordon Hayward should be a lot better now, um, especially coming off that gruesome injury um, he had two seasons ago. I'm liking where the Celtics team is going. You know, obviously losing Ky Kyrie Irving is hard, and I'm not saying Kemba Walker will be a better player than Kyrie Irving was. Kyrie Irving is a much better player than Kemba Walker, but Kemba Walker might just be that leader, that player with the fire um, to really reel in this young core of Celtics and maybe possibly get them over the hump in the Eastern Conference. Now, it's way too early to say that. Um, we'll see what transpires throughout the course of the season, but definitely a great move made by the Boston Celtics. And I did say that we're going to talk about Al Horford, and Al Horford last season had a pretty decent season, um, put up for about 14 points per game, shot 54% from the field. That's the best um, field goal percentage he's had with the Celtics. Um, shot about 36% from three-point range, averaged seven rebounds, four assists, and about one block per game. Al Horford is a solid basketball player. He can get it done for you when he needs to. In fact, the Celtics, you know, really appreciated all of his um, terrific efforts. He was a huge factor in their 2018 playoff run when they went all the way um, to a Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, only to be um, denied by, of course, Cleveland's own LeBron James and the Cavs. The 76ers also acquired um, Josh Richardson from Miami due to Jimmy Butler heading down there um, a few days ago, completing that sign-and-trade. Was that the best move? We'll see. We're going to get into that. More on Josh Richardson, though. Averaged about um, 17 points per game, the best um, in his four-year career with Miami. Shot about 41% from the field, 36% from three-point range. Then averaged about four rebounds and four assists as well. And now, of course, Jimmy Butler, who will now be playing for the Miami Heat. And I honestly think, ladies and gentlemen, this was a terrible decision from Jimmy Butler, leaving Philadelphia. And I have a clip from Stephen A. Smith that I want you guys to listen to um, in a few seconds here. But leaving Philadelphia, you know, that's the home of Rocky Balboa, where, you know, nothing is given, everything is earned. Jimmy Butler is the kind of guy who has that mentality. And he had a great season with the Sixers, too. In his stint with Philadelphia, he averaged about 33 minutes, um, 18 points per game, shot almost 46% um, from the field, um, 
was not great in his three-point percentage, but still solid in 34%. Averaged about five rebounds and four assists. And guess what? In Minnesota, he had so much more pressure on him. Um, in the 10 games he played last year with Minnesota, he had to um, average almost three more points per game. Um, had to shoot higher um, percentages. Had to be more... It was a lot more pressure on Butler to be more efficient from the field. But then, when he went to Philadelphia, especially um, during the trade deadline, when the Sixers were able to get Tobias Harris, um, you know, Jonathan Simmons, James Ennis, Boban Marjanovic, and of course, now J.J. Redick is gone from Philadelphia, but when he was there, you know, he was able to contribute as well. Now, of course, losing J.J. Redick is a big loss for the Sixers, and losing Jimmy Butler as well really doesn't make any sense why Jimmy Butler would choose to leave Philadelphia, especially now that he's going to Miami, where, let's be honest, they don't have a great team down there. You know, Dwayne Wade has just retired, and everyone loves Dwayne Wade. They're not going to love him like they—they're not going to love Jimmy Butler as they love Dwayne Wade. Philadelphia loved Jimmy Butler. So that's one um, con of this entire sign-and-trade with Jimmy Butler to the Heat. Um, additionally, the Heat just aren't good enough to make the playoffs yet or go really on any big run. The 76ers, even with Butler gone, are still in a better position um, to do well in the Eastern Conference than Miami are, quite frankly. You know, that's the gap between the Sixers and the Heat right now. And could you imagine Jimmy Butler staying on the better 76er team? Like I said, he had a great season. And the 76ers were about three bounce, Kawhi Leonard lucky bounces away from make, possibly making the NBA Conference Finals. If Kawhi had missed that shot, the game would have went into overtime, that Game 7 in Toronto. And who knows, the 76ers could have pulled away with a victory, and could have even beaten the Bucks to get to the NBA Finals. If I was Jimmy Butler, I'd use that as motivation, knowing how close they came to defeat the Raptors, and maybe even win an entire championship. Now, I did say I was going to give you a take on what Stephen A. Smith of ESPN had to say, so let's listen on his analysis of this entire Jimmy Butler dilemma. Here's why I don't like the move for Jimmy Butler. You'll never be loved the way you were loved in Philadelphia. It was the perfect setup for him. That town loved themselves a Jimmy Butler kind of guy. And even though they respect Tobias Harris, they would have preferred Jimmy Butler over Tobias Harris if Jimmy Butler hadn't given indications he wanted to be elsewhere. So I think those are the kind of things that work against him. Those are the kind of things that will not work in his favor. And then you go to Miami. Miami's not going to be better than Philadelphia. Playoff you game? say You say they may, maybe not. And like I said, I'm honestly very unsure, even with Butler on the Miami Heat, if they'll even, you know, make the playoffs. I think because Jimmy Butler is such a great basketball player and his um, demeanor, you know, is um, very strong. He's very confident um, in himself and is always in the team he plays for. I believe that he will be able to make the playoffs, but I do not think that they will make much noise once playoff time comes around.
even with Jimmy Butler on their squad. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we just got this tweet in the morning. Um, these new updates um, right away. We've been talking about, there's one free agent we haven't really discussed yet, and that's not Clay Thompson because he's re-signing with the Warriors. It's Kawhi Leonard. We don't, we didn't know um, until um, very early this morning what decision he was going to make. And he was one of the very um, few free agents who actually was patient um, in his process and was taking his time, really evaluating all of his options, which really is the right way to go if you think about it. But nonetheless, it turns out that the Clippers are sending um, the Th Oklahoma City Thunder four unprotected first-round picks, um, one protected first-round pick, and two pick swaps um, to, um, that's what Oklahoma City will receive, as I said, that is what the Clippers are giving Oklahoma City, which means that Oklahoma City will be trading Paul George to the Los Angeles Clippers. Right after that, we learned that Kawhi Leonard will be signing with the Los Angeles Clippers this summer, which means Paul George and Kawhi Leonard will both be on the Los Angeles Clippers. What a great time to be a Los Angeles basketball fan, you know? Um, the teams haven't been great in the last few years. Now you have the Lakers and the Clippers, um, each team with two all-star caliber players. On the Lakers, of course, you have LeBron and Anthony Davis. And then now on the Clippers, you have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, plus the cast, uh, the majority of the cast that you had in, on the Clippers when they made the playoffs last year and took the Warriors to six games. Um, you know, of course, the sixth man of the year, Lou Williams, is there. Montrez Harrell um, is still there. You know, those were really the two key pieces um, on Los Angeles that on the Los Angeles Clippers that, um, that helped the team become successful um, throughout the course of the season. And we can thank um, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, our NBA insider, for that news. Always on top of it. Thank you, Woj. Last um, bit of NBA talk I want to get into um, is the Summer League. Last night, unfortunately, the events um, were cut short. The New York Knicks and the New Orleans Pelicans, Zion against R.J. Barrett, was unfortunately um, canceled in the uh, fourth quarter due to the unfortunates of earthquakes um, in the Las Vegas and Nevada area um, occurring. And the NBA made the right move. Just want to make sure everyone's safe. We hope that everyone is safe um, in the area and that the summer league can go on um, in a peaceful and safe manner. But today, we have a lot of games for you um, on the slate. To begin, the Oklahoma City Thunder will be facing off against the Utah Jazz. Um, the Portland Trailblazers and the Detroit Pistons, Atlanta Hawks, and the Milwaukee Bucks. And an Eastern Conference showdown, the Celtics and the 76ers will see the young um, players of those squads face off um, today in Las Vegas. 
Memphis will be taking on the Indiana Pacers, the Clippers and the Lakers, that L.A. rivalry, Dallas Mavericks and Houston Rockets, a Texas showdown in Las Vegas, New Orleans and Washington. We don't know if Zion Williams uh, Williamson will play or not. He did have a knee injury last night. And then the Chinese national team will be facing off against the youngsters on the Sacramento Kings. That's our schedule for today in the Summer League. And that concludes our basketball talk today for the Cleveland Sports Show. And now I want to get into the Indians. We're going to give a quick summary on what's been going on with them. The last few games, uh, the last three games, let's be more specific, for the Indians included a trip to Kansas City where they faced off against the Royals, and let's just say were very successful. The Indians won all three of those games, including um, their first game, which was on Tuesday, July 2nd, in Kansas City. Indians defeat the Royals 9-5. to uh, After two innings, the score was tied at one, but then in the third inning, the Indians really poured it on, scoring five runs alone in the third inning. The Royals outscored the Indians 2-1 to in the fifth inning, and even tacked on two more runs in the seventh inning. But then the Indians, in the eighth and ninth inning, scored a run in each of those respective innings to eventually win the game 9-5. to Then their third uh, or excuse me, their second match against the or-, or against the Royals in Kansas City this past Wednesday. Indians defeat Kansas City four to nothing. Indians, um, after four innings, were up two to nothing, and the eighth inning scored two more runs to close out the Royals this past Wednesday. And then yesterday, Indians um, defeat. And then this past Thursday, the Indians defeated the Royals once again, this time by the score of 8-4. to four. Indians were able to score a run in the second inning, up one to nothing. but then in the third inning, the Royals scored three runs of their own and, up, and were up 3-1. to one. Then the fifth inning, the Indians were able to tack on a run before the seventh inning where they once again just poured it on. The most um, number of runs um, they scored in one inning in this series with Kansas City, scoring six runs in the seventh inning to eventually win the game um, seven, or excuse me, eight to four. And of course, I haven't mentioned yet um, the standings in the American League Central, which is the, um, the the division that the Indians are in the Indians are in second place behind six and a half games behind the Minnesota Twins. The Indians are forty eight and thirty eight. They're seven and three in their last ten. They're above five hundred um both on the road and at home on progressive field turf. And speaking of progressive field, that stadium is going to be very busy these um next few days. Uh, especially this upcoming Tuesday with the MLB All-Star Game. The National League All-Stars and the American League All-Stars will be facing off um, 
at 7.30 in Cleveland at Progressive Field. You can catch the game on Fox, or if you're lucky enough and are going to that game, you should be in for a real treat. For the Indians, more specifically, the All-Stars that will be participating um, in the All-Star festivities in Cleveland this, um, this Tuesday include Francisco Lindor, Carlos Santana, and Brad Hand, um, the pitcher for the Indians. I am definitely looking forward to the All-Star game. This is the first time um, the All-Star game for the MLB is in, um, has been in Cleveland since 1997. Um, 1997 was the last time the All-Star game was in Cleveland. That time the stadium we all know was called Jacobs Field. But now this is the first time that we're going to have an All-Star game at the stadium, which is named Progressive Field. So, of course, we're definitely looking forward to that um, for Cleveland. It's going to be a great night. Definitely looking forward to it. Now, before I head off, I just want to ask, I have one big question, um, ladies and gentlemen, for you. You can answer this to me, um, respond on Twitter. Again, my Twitter handle is at Nordonia Sports. I am Darius Sethna. My question of the week for you, um, for you this week, or excuse me, my question of this, of the week for you is now with the two Los Angeles basketball teams, the Lakers and the Clippers. Each of those teams having two all-stars. The Lakers with LeBron and AD. The Clippers now with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Which of those two teams do you think will have a more successful season um, in this upcoming NBA season? The Lakers or the Clippers? Respond to me um, on Twitter. Of course, again, I am Darius Sethna. My Twitter handle is at Nordonia Sports. I'm really looking to looking forward to see what you guys have to say now that in Los Angeles it's going to be very competitive basketball between those two teams. Of course, that rivalry between the Clippers and Lakers has always given us a spark, a little bit of a fun spark in the NBA. I also wanted to let you guys know that um, make sure, if you haven't in a while, head on to NordoniaHills.News as we have um, some new content, um, some new events going on in the Macedonia area, especially with the 4th of July um, just passing. A lot going on here in Macedonia. So you have, if you haven't checked out the website, make sure you do. And until next week, ladies and gentlemen, I am Darius Sethna. Have an awesome week. We will see you next week for another great episode of the Cleveland Sports Show. Until then, guys, um, have a good one. Go Indians, and I hope you enjoy the MLB All-Star Game from Cleveland this Tuesday. Take care, everyone.